Well, hey, we are in a series here called Hear the Call, and uh, we are walking through Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6, just saying, Lord, reveal to us what we need to know so that we can take those next steps in being what you want us to be. May we hear the call of what he's calling us to go after in our lives. In Ephesians 4 through 6, it's the application of all things truth about the life we have in Christ. That's Ephesians 1 through 3. So 4 through 6 is, so what do we do about it? And so we've been walking through several different calls that we've heard along the way. Today is, simply put, hear the call to a God-honoring home. Hear the call to a God-honoring home. Our job is to make sure we understand that Jesus Christ is not just about Sunday mornings for an hour and 15 minutes. And all of God's people said, our job is for throughout the week, 24-7, affecting every facet of our life, and yes, especially affecting our home life and the way we interact together. And so today we're going to hear the call to a God-honoring home, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 22 here, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22, and uh, Lord, what should we hear? What is the call that we should be going after? And he gives it in several stages. He sort of breaks the home down into pieces, and each of us has our responsibilities. Here's my one request. Are you ready? Everybody listening? One request. This is not where we listen to see what the other people in our home need to know and go after. This is where we listen to see what we need to go after, okay? Everybody just say, what I need to go after. That's where we're headed, okay? And uh, if your elbow starts moving a little bit, just kind of stop it, all right? Make sure you say, Lord, challenge me today, all right? Let's dig in. So our first point, um, he starts with the wives here, which is interesting. We would normally always start with the men and give the challenge there. He starts with the wives, and there's a reason for it. We're going to talk about it in just a second, but the first point goes, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So let's make sure we walk through this carefully and make sure we understand what it does mean and what it does not mean, all right? So here we go. It starts out, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of his church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. He starts out here, wives, submit to your husbands and We'll talk about that S word in just a minute. What does the word submit mean and what doesn't it mean? We have to make sure we grasp it. This has been greatly abused and very harshly misused. And let's be super careful about the definition of the word submit. Most people would fail the test on what this means out in the world, the word submit. They would get it wrong. And so let's talk about it today. We're going to talk about it in just a second. I just want to make sure you understand, though, that in fact, in verse 22, where it says, wives, submit to your own husbands, in the original language, the word submit is not there. In fact, it's this sentence is connected to the prior sentence with a comma. It says, be filled with the Spirit. And then it talks about the result of being filled and that we're addressing one another and we're singing psalms and hymns, we're praising out. It says that we're submitting to one another, hear that, comma, wives also to your husbands. Do you hear how that's connected together? And that's why the wives are kind of in the lead here first. Um, it's not about setting tone and pace in the home. It's about connecting it to the prior 
And uh, just so you know, this word submit, well, it actually is directly connected to being filled with the Spirit. And it's a follow-through from that. Being filled with the Spirit in verses 19, 18 and 19 there. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit and submit to one another and then submit to your husband's kind of tag team with it. Okay, so what does this word submit mean? What it does not mean. Everybody say not. What it does not mean. It does not mean a loss of personal identity. Uh, it doesn't mean that. What it does not, everybody say not. It does not mean I have no say. It doesn't mean that. It does not mean I am not allowed to have an opinion. Right? It doesn't mean these things. And, and submission has somehow turned into slavery in the mindset. And there's no allowance for interaction. And the two have become one is something we're going to run into in just a little bit here. The two have become one. And uh, it's not the two have become one. They match up with whatever the guy wants. Like that's, everybody say, it's not it. And so submit. It's not a loss of identity. It's not a loss of the right to be able to speak. It's not a loss of thought and passion. And it's none of that. So then what is it? Well, I just put this phrase down, Submit. Maybe this is the best way to understand it. It's allowing your husband to be the lead before God. It's allowing your husband to be the lead before God. God's calling him to be the lead in the home. And so it's allowing him to take the position that God's going to hold him accountable to, okay? And so that doesn't mean you don't have a right to have some thoughts on things and whatever, but there's a point where God is going to press down on the husband and say, hear me. You're responsible for this home. And that's to the guy. The guy needs to hear it. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And uh, guys, we give account for how, how our home is run. And all of God's men said, we give account for how our home is run. Be careful how you run the home. Make sure it is not dictatorship. Make sure you are taking into account what God wants accomplished. And as you are the head, uh, giving answer to what's going on there, ladies, the responsibility is make sure you're allowing him to be that lead in the home, okay? And that's a huge call, all right? And uh, well, how do we do this? So I just wrote this down. Five steps to submit. Five steps to biblically submit. Ready? First, this is a big one. Uh, talk with each other, share your thoughts, hear from each other, and listen to each other. Talk. That's the first step, being able to hear from each other, all right? And guys, it's important that you're hearing from her, and ladies, it's important that you're hearing from him. This is give and take, the two of you figuring out where you are at together in this path. So the first step, talk with each other. Please share along the way, okay? Don't surprise each other with your thoughts for the week or the month by like just going and doing it. Talk about it. Work it out. Talk with each other. And uh, okay, if you agree, in the middle of your talk, you're like, me too. That's what I was thinking. And some of you are like, that's not marriage. And uh, just so you know, if you do agree along the way, and it's not sin what you're agreeing to do, great, then you're about it. Go after it. You're done. You've talked, you've agreed, you've moved together, okay? So the first step, talk. The second, if you agree, then go for it. If it's not sin, go after it. Three, if you disagree, talk again. 
Spend a little bit of time chatting. Here's what I heard you say. It sounds like maybe you're valuing this. Is this where you're, this is where I'm at in this. Talk again, okay? So it's talk. And then it's, if you agree, go for it. And if not, well, if you disagree, talk again. Make sure that you understood each other rightly. You might be like, oh, that's what you meant. No, then I'm right with you. That's cool. That's great. Let's do that. And so talk again. That's the third step. Boy, that's a lot of talking. Yeah. That's what it's going to take to be able to build good relationship is talking and listening well. Okay? And uh, so that's the third step. Fourth, if after that talk you agree, go for it. If it's not sin, feel free to go after it. You've now worked well together, right? That's the fourth step. If you notice, the whole way along, we're talking, agreeing, and doing together, right? Well, what if after that, we just don't agree? Fifth step, if we still disagree, we have talked, we have shared, we have prayed together on this, we have heard each other again on it, and we don't have the same line of view to it, we disagree on it. What he's asking for isn't sin, but we are disagreeing on the step here. And hear me, that's where this word probably rises up the most, is in that moment now, he's not asking you to sin. You have worked together. That's where you would end up saying, I'm going to let you lead in this home. And letting him lead there. Letting that decision take place. All right? You're letting him lead. Now, if he's asking you to sin, then the answer is, oh, that was really weak. If he's asking you to sin, then the answer is, dude, the answer is no. And you get to say it about that loud, okay? And you're like, hey, honey, here's what I've been thinking. I know we've had a lot of children. We've got six or seven kids right now, and, and um, it's been a little hard lately. Let's sell the youngest one. <laughs> right? And you get to say, no. right? If you agree to that, that's a bad plan. Right? If it's sin, don't do it, right? And, and let's be careful along the way that we're wisely considering what God wants, but if you are being asked after talking a couple of times over and even praying it through, then it's time. It's time to be able to say, okay, I'm letting you lead on this one. And guys, now hear me on this. If every week you're playing the trump card of, it's step five, baby. Like, if that's all you've got is step five, you're just going to hold out till you get your way, you're not leading very well. And so let's describe it this way. I'll often say this when I'm doing a wedding. Picture a blue circle and a pink circle. Now let them overlap. Picture two circles overlapping. You can see that kind of football right in the middle, right where the two circles overlap. And blue and pink, you end up with purple in the middle, right? Guys, you're always leading for the purple. That's your mainline goal. Let's get to where she would like to be and I can live with being. That's called a biblical consensus. You're coming together as one and working together. There might be that off time where you're like, I absolutely feel like we really have to go this way, babe. And even though you're not there, I feel like this is absolutely what's right before God. But that should be more the rare than the norm, okay? Lead for the purple. And... Uh, that's a huge deal for you, and it means both of you are like, it may not be my first choice, but it is definitely a valid, good choice before our God. I can live with that. And so both of you are leading and trying to get to the purple, the agreement together of where you can live with something. That is a great representation of the two have become one. And uh, please hear me, that is a clear role of biblical submission, all right? It's a huge deal. Notice it says, 
Uh, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Ladies, just so you know, in everything, right? Uh, It doesn't say here, uh, once a week on one thing, you choose which, right? It does say in everything. And so along the way, this plan we just put in place of the five steps, the working together, the being able to have a say, the being able to try to come to a point where we can both agree on something, that's good, that's valid in everything, And if there's absolutely a disagreement there, then you're letting him lead, as long as it's not sin. Okay? Clear enough? Clear enough? All right. Let's make sure we walk through these carefully or we can create a horrible statement. Christ is the head of the church, and that is our model. Man, we're not just going deep. We're going, do you remember this? This is like a year and a half back, right? We're not going deep. We're going gospel deep, right? All of Romans, when we walk through it, the gospel will constantly affect our lives, all of it. That's where we're going, okay? And uh, huge that this is actually connected to being filled with the Spirit. And so, ladies, please hear me. Don't muscle it home. Filled with the Spirit. Lord, what do you want done in my life? Holy Spirit, come in and take over. What sin do I need to confess in other areas of my life? Fill me. Just like we talked about with all of us last week. This is a fill moment. And I'll just tell you this past week I was coming home and I uh, clicked the garage door opener. And the garage door went up and back down. And then up and then back down. I couldn't get it to stay up. And then I got it up. Then I went in to try to get it to come down. And then it went down and back up. And then down and back up, and down and back up, and it was just stuck. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I asked Jonna later, hey, were you having problems with the garage door? She said no, and I was like, oh, well, maybe it was just my remote. I don't know. Well, then she started having problems with it. So I go out there, and I'm thinking, well, maybe it's those sensors. You know what I mean? Those sensors down low so that you don't get crushed underneath it. We all appreciate those sensors, right? And so I go up to the sensor, and I'm like, huh. And I look. And it's got the light on that says that it's connected. I'm like, no, it looks good. And I walk over, and then it flashes a couple times. I'm like, look at that. It is saying it's not connecting the beam. So I come to the other side, and I'm like, what in the world is like, there's something like on that. And I reach over, and it moved. (laughs) This giant black spider ran inside of the thing that sends the beam, freaked me out. It's one of those where you're like, oh, Hey, let's go. You're waving to neighbors, right? You look like an idiot, right? And uh, so I reach over and I grab a stick and I reach in there and I'm peeling out webs and junk that this spider's been building. I couldn't get the spider. I still don't know where it is. Couldn't get it out of there. Finally get it cleaned up. And now I press the button, goes down. Press the button, comes up. There's nothing blocking it. And uh, what's the point? I'm telling you, that's a lot like our walk with Christ. And all too often, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives gets blocked because we're in sin and we're toying around with self and we're not having happen what should happen. Dude, the garage door should have just come down, but it was blocked. And uh, yes, sometimes we're called to action and it's blocked because we've got something in the way and the Holy Spirit's not filling and having his way and get it out of the way. What needs to go that your God might be glorified? And uh, ladies, you're called to submit 
before your husband because it's a model of Jesus Christ. And may the Holy Spirit fill you along the way. May he be your empowerment to that. And all of God's women said, let's go after it, all right? All right. Second, husbands. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially. He says here, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Husbands, love your wives. And uh, and we hear this word today, and in fact, love has sort of become a description of a feeling you have rather than an action you do. And uh, this is a verb. This is an action. It's a call to do and be. Husbands, love. And uh, it means self-sacrifice. It means to care for. We're going to see some definitions come up in just a little bit on it in this passage. Love. Make sure you are reaching out and thinking of their best in the midst of it. All right? And um, I said self-sacrifice. I'll say it again. If it doesn't cost you, you're probably not loving. If it doesn't cost, you're probably not loving. In fact, if there's no cost or if it's straight up benefit and you're like, this is all good for me, man, there may not even be any love in that at all. And it's just self-motivated. And the husbands love your wives. And uh, we have a model for it. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Your model, guys, is Jesus Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And uh, this is huge. Ladies, we are called to submit as to the Lord. And now husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. This combo where it's always you look to Christ, right? Here's the bad plan. This is a never, don't do this, right? It's not, well, I'll love you when I see you doing this. And all of a sudden we've made it conditional upon that. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say husbands love your wives if. Everybody say it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Husbands love your wives as, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Man, I'm telling you, our job is to sacrificially live in our home, caring for our family and being able to put it on the line. And uh, it's a huge deal. And I'll just say this. We have two very distinct generations that are kind of represented right now in society. And so for the older generation, man, uh, working and providing is everything from how we were raised. And there's this sense of, I love you best by providing. And, and I get that, and that's biblical, and making sure you're doing that well is great. Know this, we are also called to relate well. Not just be at your job 75 to 100 hours a week and make good money and come home and sit on a couch, but also to be a part of the family and interact, to relate well and connect with them along the way, to support them in the midst of their life. Man, our job, dads, is to show our family what God is like. If God is absentee father, we've got a problem in what we're teaching. Okay, be careful with that. Now for the younger. And uh, the younger is strong in the relational right now. That's a huge thing going on in the society is it's all about being together and connecting. And in fact, the hard work is being set down. Hear me on this. 
It is loving to work hard. Guys, I'm telling you, just look 10 years out from where you are right now. If you're in your 20s or 30s, you look 10 years out from now and consider this. My job is to be able to provide for this family. I'm telling you, your wife will feel very loved if you have rightly managed your job, worked well, worked hard before the Lord, and you're able to provide for them. So I'm great with relationship, yes with that, and working hard. Relate well, work hard, both and. Everybody get it? I'm pretty sure that hits every one of us between the eyes somewhere. Now you figure out what needs to be worked on, all right? Love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Notice with the purpose here, Christ had a purpose when he came to the church that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Hear me, Christ has a purpose. He is sanctifying. He is cleansing. His purpose of love is discipling us, taking us along a path where we look more like him. Dads, husbands, hear me. Our job is to take our family on that same discipleship path where Christ is made much of and our passion is to see them grow in Christ. And he says, love them as Christ who loved sanctifying discipling, growing them. Man, this is a huge call for us to be able to see our job as raising up our home. Hey guys, is your wife getting a stronger sense of who Christ is through you? That's the call. Know him in his word. Share him with your family. Be him to your family. Does your family know Christ because they know you? That's a hard one, isn't it? And man, there's a lot of areas that each of us need to change in our lives. Of course, we're not perfect, and so those things need to be set down. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified in this home as we live to be like you and to lead our family to you, that we might sanctify, disciple them with the washing of water by the word. And uh, hear me, you will never see your family discipled without the use of the word. And uh, hey, guys, for those who have younger kids, man, get those children's Bibles out. Those are invaluable. We used to spend time with those ones that have the huge colored pictures on them, and you walk the story. I'm telling you, there's going to be times where you're reading through that, and you're going to be like, I never knew that. Are you serious? That's what happened in that story? Because they've distilled it down to the basics, and you may have missed a basic to one of the stories, or many of them. Get into those children's stories, share them with your family, spend time in the Word, make sure you're learning yourself from it, make sure you know those stories and you can say how that matters to who God is. Make much of your God, make much of His Word, and watch Him disciple and change your family. And all of God's people said, and that's our call. And uh, It says here, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Man, our job is to love our wife as we love ourselves. In fact, it goes on right after it. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Guys, your job, you want a definition for love? Nourish, cherish. Nourish, cherish. 
nourish. You're giving them what they need to be fed in order to grow, to grow emotionally, to grow spiritually, to grow physically. You're nourishing them. You're caring for them by providing for them and cherishing them. You're loving on them. You're hugging on them. You're kissing on them. You're holding off on that sometimes when that's not what would be preferred. And you're talking a little more. You're interacting together and you're caring together for them. Nourish and cherish. What does that look like in your home? Make sure you're spending time lifting them up. And uh, it says, just as Christ does the church. Did you know that? Christ is nourishing you and cherishing you. And it doesn't feel like it. He is. Yeah, I don't think so. You don't know the problems I'm going through. I'm telling you, he is. And it might be he's walking through you through that very problem to be able to wake you up to something about himself. And he's giving you exactly what you need. Know this, you serve the risen Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he has a plan for you. He lifts you up and cherishes you. He pours on you exactly what you need. He is giving you everything that you need to be conformed to his image. He's not asking you to fake it. He's not asking you to muscle it. He's changing along the way. It is the glory of the Holy Spirit that changes us. Are we ready to experience the change? Dude, he is nourishing. He is cherishing. Let him pour that on you with all he's got. It'll change how you approach those around you. Experience the nourishing and cherishing of your Savior and watch God do a huge work. It says he's doing it because we are members of his body. We are one with him. And just as husband and wife are one, so we as a body are one with Christ. And we have that huge privilege of the oneness, being a bride of him. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Shall leave his father and mother and shall cling fast, hold fast to his wife. And a leave and cleave is the phrase that's been used. That's the old King James, right? Leave and cleave. And literally, it means you have a new primary relationship in your life. And husbands, it's your wife. And wives, it's your husband. And as you get standing side by side, there should be no one in between you. Especially parents, not your parents, guys, not her parents, standing in between going, hey, here's how you should live it. That's not doing this leave and separate and cling to. What matters most is what your spouse is thinking, not what your parent is thinking. You are now married to someone else and you're claiming a new first. And this is a huge deal. I'm just telling you, parents, for those who have college kids and kids who are engaged or getting ready to be married, practice the setting them out together and not getting in the middle of it. Practice that. Work hard at saying, maybe they'll come to you and like, hey, what do you think we should do? Don't just spew off an answer. The answer is this. What does your spouse think you should do? Well, he says this, but I don't want to. There's a whole different set of counsel to give now than just your opinion on what should be done. You'll start being used to be played off of the other person. And guys, bringing your parents in and trying to use them as the muscle against your wife. Terrible plan. Everybody say, that's a bad plan. Dude, 
Make sure that the husband and wife are the new primary relationship and there's no one standing in between, okay? Leave your father and mother and cling, hold fast to your wife. And it says, and the two shall become one flesh, one physically, one emotionally, one spiritually. There's a oneness thing going on. How does this happen? Well, check out what Paul says next. This mystery is profound. He's like, I don't know how it happens. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. It's amazing what's going on. There's a connecting that happens. There's a depth that takes place to where all of a sudden, guys, you can hurt your wife more than you ever thought possible because you are now one and a pushing away, a, a jamming down on, a judging of, a hurting in is devastating emotionally. Nourish and cherish like it's your own body. She needs that care and she needs that protection and she needs that coverage. Man, may we love as the two have become one. This mystery is profound. It says, I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Um, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband, love and respect. There's a great book that came out called Love and Respect, and it talks about how husbands are built around the word respect. They think that way. And wives are built around the word cherish or being loved. And unfortunately, when a husband doesn't feel respected, he starts to pull back on the love. And when the wife doesn't feel loved or cherished, she'll pull back on the respect. And you get this death spiral fight going on. Please hear me. Scripturally super clear, husbands, Love your wives. Set the tone in the home. Nourish and cherish. It's providing for them, working hard. And it's relating to them, hearing from them, and caring for them, partnering along the way. And this is the call. And, uh, we've talked through two very tough sections right now, and it's super easy to get on the, yeah, he ain't listening to that right now. Right? Or, yep, she needed to hear that first part pretty big. And uh, please be careful. Take homework notes for yourself. What do you need to work on? Guys, simple question. How can you build this home off of Jesus Christ and who he is, off of your model of love into this home? How can you build this home to be dynamic and on fire for Jesus Christ? To be at a place where there is a deep passion for one another and a care for one another. How can you grow that to be true? And, uh, I'll just tell you this past week, um, I had somebody come in. We were just doing a little bit of talking together. Hard time this person was going through. And uh, um, he lost his wife uh, this past year. Uh, 35 years they'd been married. And just devastating the amount of hurt that you go through in the midst of the two becoming one and now the loss of that. And as we began to talk and share together, he was so real and transparent with me of what he was going through and some of the heartache he was experiencing. Just super transparent questions. Like, I'm feeling this right now. Is this even normal? And just walking through the devastation of that loss. And at one point he said... I walked into a room 
And I turned to look and see if she was there because that's where she normally is. And she wasn't there. And his eyes filled up with tears. And he's like, I don't, I miss her. Is, is this even normal that I'm looking around to see if she's here when? Please hear me. The answer to that is absolutely yes. That is so normal. Man, that is 35 years of life and living and the heartache that comes in the separating. And in the midst of the growing together, there is a hurt in the separating. And man, that is the relationship we're to be building, one that will hurt if there's a separating as we pour in with each other and grow with each other. His one question, the biggest question was, is there going to be some level of Seeing her again, and we went to 1 Thessalonians 4 and poured through this passage that is so utterly clear. And this passage, it talks about the rapture. And everybody goes to it because of the theology of Christ's return. But dude, that's not what the passage is about. He says, I'm telling you this, you grieve like those who do have hope, not like the world who does not have hope. You grieve in a way where you know this. You will see them again. Christ is returning and he will bring us up and the dead in Christ and the living in Christ and we will celebrate together. And all of God's people said, amen. man, we got, amen. Amen. Man, we got to grasp the reality of this. We will see ones we've loved. We will see our wife who has gone on before us, our husband who has gone on before us. We will laugh together. We will live together. We will celebrate together in a huge way. And all of that before our Lord Jesus Christ in utter worship. And uh, what does that relationship look like? I don't know, but I guarantee it'll be nothing like this broken world. Right? And I'm telling you, God's got a plan. And we hope. And guys... It is time to live like there's no tomorrow. It is time to love like there is no tomorrow. And all of God's men said, dude, what does that look like in your home? How do you nourish? How do you cherish? If you're here right now and you're like, I have no idea, then get with your wife and chat. Man, it is time to get this thing nailed down. Nourish and cherish your wife. God's got an amazing plan. All right. Wives submit, husbands love, and last. Children obey your parents. Children obey your parents. And uh, chapter 6, verse 1 starts out, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And... Uh, Children, obey your parents. So hear me, the word children here, it basically means little one. It's probably best understood as anyone kind of living in the house with the parents. If you are under your parents' uh, roof, then at some level there is an obedience that needs to take place. It is their home and you are living under. And um, obviously if you're in the young adult phase and you've moved back in, there's other ways you have to dance with that, but there is a level of obedience as it is their house, Okay. And uh, so be careful with that. And uh, we'll get to another word in just a second, uh, the word honor, but we'll talk about the obedience here first. Obedience, it means doing what's been asked 
in a timely fashion with a good attitude, doing what's been asked in a timely fashion with a good attitude. I'm just going to tell you I see a lot of parents taking notes and not a lot of kids taking notes right now. So parents, you might have to give a little talk, okay? But the bottom line is, it's doing what's been asked in a timely fashion, okay, and with a good attitude. And that's super important, kids. In your home, your parents represent God. And again, if they're asking you to do something, notice it says here, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So if, they're being a- if you're asked to do something, hey, it's been kind of tight financially, We've decided to get rid of the youngest kid. You go get rid of him, right? It's okay for you to say, no, I'm not doing that, okay? It's okay if it's not biblical. It's a sin to say no, but that's the only time. Otherwise, your parents are in charge there, and you're living under their roof. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It says, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Uh, I just wrote these words down for honor. See their role, not their failures, See their role, not their failures. That's honoring them. It has a lot to do with their position. See their role, not their failures. It's easy to become an expert on where my parent is dumb. See their role, not their failures, okay? And uh, honor your father and mother, showing respect to them. This lasts for a lifetime. We need to honor our parents no matter what age we are and no matter what age they are and constantly caring for them along the way. And we have huge responsibility, especially in the later years of life, and there needs to be a huge honoring in the midst. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. (laughs) I love that promise. It almost sounds like a threat. God's like, obey your parents. You want to live long? You better obey your parents, right? There's a little bit of a throwdown going on. And he's like, I'm just saying, this is super important. If we don't grasp that there is authority in our lives and we need to respond to them, we will run headlong into the rocks of life and shipwreck. It will hurt. Learn this. There is authority over you. Ultimately, God himself and your parents representing God. And uh, man, good for you to recognize that now before you get to a job and think, ah, forget my boss and what he says. Authority. There is authority in your life and ultimately from God himself. And God says, man, that you may live long in the land and have a prosperous life. It says also, not just children obeying. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, This is when you get excessively harsh or excessively negative Excessively selfish or excessively inconsistent. These things are going to devastate your home. And dad, notice it says fathers. It doesn't say parents, okay? It's a big deal here. Some will say, well, it implies parents. It's in the masculine form, but it can mean both father and mother. I'll just say, I do believe, dads, we lead the charge here huge. And if the only thing you do is walk in the house and bring the latest smackdown, and then go sit on the couch and relax, we're making a mistake, okay? And our job is to relate and interact. We need to have a balance of our interaction that includes laughter and encouragement and celebration 
but it does include bringing some things to bear that need to be heard. This isn't avoid any statement of what's wrong. Please note what it says right after it. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We are going to teach what's right and what's wrong and what needs to be heard. And uh, we do have to press, and there's times where our kids will try to press back. If you have a strong-willed child, you know this more than ever. That's a battle you cannot lose. Parents, you cannot lose this battle. You losing this battle at age five, six, seven is a nightmare in high school, and it's devastation in young adult age. We need to be able to have our kids understand there is authority and God is ultimately in charge. And hon, you got to come under this, and that's it. And we won't lose that fight. you got to be there, parents. This is a huge deal. We as a church have to rally together with one another and support each other. And uh, raising up our families in a way where Christ is made much of. It's a big deal. And uh, children are to be able to get a passionate understanding of their God from us. And dad, this is proven repeatedly psychologically that the kids start seeing God as they see you. And so make sure you're being Christ to your home. Not just walking around with some legalistic measuring stick that smacks them upside the head every day, but with a love and an encouragement and a support and a wanting the best for them and helping them to see where things need to change. All of it together in balance. And all of God's parents said, huge if we're going to have a household that is honoring to God, okay? And I'll just say this. We are not to have a child-centered home. Everybody say that's a bad plan. Not a child-centered home. We're not walking in and we're like, okay, Billy, what do you want to do today? Every day for the rest of his life, right? Now the kid gets a little bit grown up, gets to college or whatever, and what do they expect? How come nobody's asking me what I want to have happen, right? And a child-centered home teaches a very selfish mindset and thinking. It is not child-centered. Hear me, though. The fix is not parent-centered. Parent-centered home is not the fixed. Christ-centered home is the fix. Sometimes it will be parent-centered. Sometimes it will be child-centered. Sometimes it will be neither-centered. It will be others outside the home. Christ-centered. And all of God's people said, Amen. it's a huge deal, man. We're not child-centered. We're not parent-centered. We're Christ-centered. May God get all the glory. Okay. Now he moves from that into work life. And he says, bond servants, just so you know, this is not the meaning of slave, like when African Americans were grabbed in the 1800s and dragged to the U.S. against their will and kept for a lifetime. It's not that. Okay, this word bond slave, this is when somebody was in a financial struggle and they end up making themselves available for work. And they give themselves over 100% of the day, 24-7, to this family or this business in order to work off a debt. And that's a bond slave working in that regard, okay? And uh, there were a lot of different ways that they got into those things, but a bond servant, it meant basically I'm committed to this. Sort of think of it this way. It's like I'm an employee under contract, okay? Very real look at that, an employee under contract, uh, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Uh, make sure you listen to your bosses. Your boss is in charge. And uh, how you obey your boss is how you obey God. Did you know that? Saying my boss is an idiot, so I'm not going to listen, is not a plan. Okay? 
And uh, listening to your boss is how you listen to God and how you obey him. He says, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. And there's the key. Make sure you're obeying as you would Christ. What would I do if this was Jesus asking me to do this? Obedience and respect to your God and showing him the final honor. It says, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Eye service, that's when you work only when they're looking. You know what I mean? Boss starts walking by and all of a sudden that hammer's swinging higher, right? The productivity's increasing. Boss is clear. Never mind. Relax now and eye service. I only work in front of you, okay? People pleasers. Depending on who's in the room, it'll change what I have to say is true. People pleaser. I want you to like me, but I'll say what I need to say to you, and then when I get with you, I'll say what I need to say to you, and then with you, and my story may shift all over the place, and I'm not true to my word, and uh, not that. Not where we're working just when they're looking, not just trying to please human beings, but as bond servants of Christ. Notice it says, not bond servants of the person, but of Jesus Christ. Man, it always comes back to Christ. We're not just going deep. We're going gospel deep. It's always about Jesus Christ. And uh, he says here at the end, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Man, when you are working in your uh, restaurant, when you are working at your um, service-based company, whatever it is, when you're working at Walmart, when you're working wherever you're working, kids, hear me, as to the Lord. Don't get caught up in getting the money. Get caught up in pleasing your God. Obedient, listening well, working hard, following through, excellence in the accomplishment, okay? And as you grow, it will pay off huge. Go after that. Not, as, not with eye service as people pleasers, but rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this will be received back from, who does it say it's received back from? The Lord. It does not say it will receive, be, be received back from that boss. It may. It may not. You are working for Christ. You will receive from Christ. You may or may not receive from that boss. Work hard as to the Lord, let Christ manage the rest. And all of God's people said, that's a huge deal, man, huge deal. And uh, lastly, he says here, uh, whether he is a bondservant or he is free, and masters now, bosses, do the same to them. Man, work for Christ, honoring Christ, careful with what you're doing. Stop your threatening, I love that. I think he knows what every workplace can end up like. Stop it. If you don't knock it off, then I'm going to. And man, how often do we parent that way or lead a place that way? If you lead with a threat, I'm telling you, it's short-lived. Do not lead with the threat. Good integrity in what you're doing, leading them to where you're going. Why does he say don't threaten? Because uh, he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and, that, and there is no partiality with him. In other words... God will bring it on both y'all. Watch out, right? And a huge call to be a boss who respects Christ, to be an employee who respects Christ, 
to be an adult child that respects Christ, to be a little one that respects Christ, to be a husband that respects Christ, to be a wife that respects Christ. We're not going deep. We're going Christ first, and it will affect every facet of your life. And all of God's people said, all right. That said, so here's the deal, man. We are going for uniting this church and uniting our families. And so today we've been talking about a family of God. But did you know this? This church, we're coming up on 10 years of anniversary. Did you know that? That's right. 10 years coming up September 25th. So we're going to have a 10-year anniversary on September 25th coming into it with baptisms on the 18th, and then we're going to launch a third service on October 2nd, and a huge deal going on. Here's the deal. In order to celebrate, we printed this up, so on the front, it's got the Harvest logo and 10 years, and on the back, it says, come join us, and it's got the service times, and it includes the 4.30 service time with the launch date starting October 2nd, all right? So what we're going to do with these shirts is every single one of you gets a t-shirt today. All right? Amen. Like nine of you are excited about that. Every single one of you gets a t-shirt today. So here's the deal. We have youth, small, medium, and large, so shirts for your kids. And we have adult, small, medium, large, extra large, double extra large, triple extra large. All right? We got it all the way up. So when, here's the deal. All the shirts are over on the patio. We are going to release out in sections from here. Okay, and each section that goes out, go ahead, get your shirts, pick up for your family. So get shirts for your kids. We're not handing them out in the kids section, all right? So pick up for you and for your kids, pick up for your whole family, make sure you've got that, all right? The youth are the first shirts you'll hit as you're going in. You're coming in on the right-hand side and you'll swing around counterclockwise, right? Counter, counterclockwise and coming around. So you'll hit the youth shirts first. Make sure you've talked ahead of time about what sizes you want because we're trying to put like a 1,000 people through there, <laughs> and it's going to bottleneck at some point, right? So here's the deal. Everybody gets a free shirt. I'm visiting today. You get a free shirt, man. Welcome to Harvest, all right? And uh, love having you with us, love celebrating with. Here's the deal now. This is how we're going to release. You guys, this whole section over here, your ones. What's your number? One. You guys here, your twos. What's your number? And the rest of y'all are three, okay? What's your number? Three. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of a chorus moment, and Larry's going to release the ones, and then we're going to do another song, and Larry's going to release the twos, and then we'll do the release of the threes at the end of the last song, all right? That's where we're at. We're going to kind of stage this out. Use what doors make sense to go. We've got some leaders that are going to help get that stuff set, all right? Everybody get what we're doing? Don't skip getting a t-shirt today. We are going to have t-shirts over the next couple of weeks available for those who weren't here today, okay? But make sure you grab yours and grab for your family. And all of God's people said...